All right. Well, welcome again to midweek, our second to last midweek of this semester. Oh my gosh! Crazy. So we are uh, we're coming to a close with First Corinthians thirteen, and uh, it's actually really cool. I've told Kristen this multiple times throughout the semester, but there have been so many lessons. You know, at the beginning of the semester, we planned out every lesson from now, you know, from January through the end of April, just based on the scripture. And hey, hey Ariel, and um, so many times I felt like the lesson that fell on that particular Wednesday was perfect for what we needed at that time. And I think tonight is no different. Our lesson tonight is love always hopes, always perseveres. And this is really the end of verse 7. These are the last two parts of verse 7. But we're on the home stretch of this semester, academically and spiritually. And what's so important over the course of the next few weeks in both of those areas is that we finish strong. Finish strong academically, finish strong spiritually. And our lesson tonight is perfect for that. Love always hopes, love always perseveres. Those two qualities, hope and perseverance, are intricately tied together. And both of them are absolutely essential to us making it all the way to heaven. Hope and perseverance. So we're going to jump right in. And and the lesson tonight is kind of all one continuous point. But we're going to look at hope and we're going to look at perseverance. So... I am going to ask you guys some questions as we go through. So be ready to be thinking. Be ready to keep the juices flowing. So the first question, just to get a few people to kind of explain, what is hope? Just when you think about the word hope, the idea of hope, the concept of hope, hope in your own life, what is that? What does that mean? Believing something's going to happen. Believing that something's going to happen. Okay. Optimism. Yeah, optimism. Absolutely. Okay, what else does hope involve? What else defines hope? Um, I think hope can also be defined as like perseverance because if you have hope, then you have something to work for. Yeah, and as we go through this lesson, you're going to see those two are really connected. You, you can't have one without the other, hope and perseverance. Yeah. Faith. Faith, yeah, hope and faith are very closely tied together, okay? Um, a longing or a desire that you expect to be fulfilled. Okay, a longing or desire you expect to be fulfilled. Okay, so to get academic for a second, and we've been doing this both when the Olivers came in and the Heinzmans came in. So the Greek word for hope is this word, elpizo. All right, elpizo. And it literally means to hope. So it's a verb, to hope. And then it has a, you know, a sub bullet point there in a religious sense to wait for salvation with joy and full confidence that's hope when it comes to god that there's no doubt in your mind about what's going to happen no doubt in your mind about god's promises coming true and it's also hopefully to trust him so not only do you trust something not only do you trust god but you are hopefully trusting God, right? There is this optimism. There's this joy that comes with that trust in God that you have. You guys ready to look at some scriptures here about this? Go over to Psalm chapter 33. And uh, I feel like Peter's welcome was perfect for tonight. All about hope and hoping in God. 
We're going to see some scriptures that are similar to the one he read. So Psalm chapter 33. We're going to read verses 18 through 22. All right, Psalm 33, 18 to 22. Verse 18 says, But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Now flip over to 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to look at these back to back. So keeping that in mind, 2 Corinthians 4, <laughs> verses 7 to 18. And... Uh, this scripture that we're about to read was actually a special request from my wife. As I was preparing this and knowing that it was about hope and perseverance, Kristen asked, can we please include 2 Corinthians 4 in this lesson? And this really is a perfect scripture for the idea of love always hopes. 2 Corinthians 4, we'll start in verse 7. But we have this treasure... And the treasure it's talking about is a, it's the hope of eternal life. We have this treasure in jars of clay. The jars of clay right there, it's talking about our physical human bodies. We have this treasure, this hope of eternal life in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Verse 13, it is written, I believe Therefore, I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. And to pause for a second, the reason that we can have hope in heaven is because Jesus rose from the dead. The fact is, if Jesus had died on the cross, been buried, and his body stayed there, and if his bones were still there today, this would all be pointless. We would have no hope of heaven. Because this man that we put all of our trust in, who said that if you tear down this temple, I'll rebuild it in three days. If he had died, been buried, and stayed in the tomb, then we really would not know that there's anything after this life. We would actually have no idea if anything that Jesus said was true. But the resurrection demands a decision. It demands a verdict. That either you believe in God, and therefore you believe what Jesus said, you obey what he said, and you believe that there's eternal life, or you have to find some way 
to try to convince yourself that Jesus never rose from the dead. And every single argument that has been tried to try to say that Jesus never rose from the dead has failed miserably. In Islam, they believe that when he was on the cross, God replaced him with another body, and Jesus never really died. It's baloney. You're telling me that Roman guards who are trained executioners and Jesus' own family who was there watching him die wouldn't have known that they got the wrong guy? Wouldn't have known that that wasn't? It's crazy. Uh, In the Bible, Matthew 28, it actually talks about a conspiracy theory that the Jews paid the Roman guards to start claiming that the disciples came and stole Jesus' body. Literally, Matthew 28 documents that because it was so embarrassing for the Jews and the Romans that the Jews said, okay, we're going to pay these guards who are at the tomb, we're going to pay them money to lie and say the disciples who were unarmed, untrained men came, somehow overpowered these Roman guards, moved this like thousands upon thousands of weighted stone away from the tomb and stole Jesus' body. But really the question would be, if Jesus never rose from the dead, then show us the body. Show us the bones. 2,000 years, no one's been able to do that. He rose from the dead. That's why this verse is true. Verse 15, all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God is our hope. When everything else in our lives feels like it's falling apart, when we get to a point where we are overwhelmed to the point of panic, Remember that the unchanging God loves you and has an eternal plan for you. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I want to show you guys a video real quick because I think this is a perfect example of the type of heart that this scripture is talking about. Kristen and Riley have seen this. I don't think any of you guys have seen it, but I want to show you this. This is a disciple in our fellowship talking, and uh, I think you'll see how it represents this scripture right here. حكت حكت معي الأمن تبع العراق وقالوا لي أنت محتاج تيجي تراجعنا لأنه في عندك تشابه أسماء استنيت فترة بعدين أخذوني الوضع مسكوني على أساس موضوع الكنيسة أخذوني هم وجودي بغطاء على مكياج عشان أشوف شيء وأخذوني بالسيارة وطلعوني على مكان مشينا فوق الحوالي نص ساعة وأنا ما بعرف أنا وين رايح وبلشوا يسألوني أسئلة أنت شو بتسوي بالعراق؟ فكان الجواب أنا عم بدرس الجيم مع الناس وأنا عم بفتح كنيسة في العراق وأنا مقدم أوراق على أساس إنه إني بفتح كنيسة في العراق فبلش المحقق يكون عم بضرب فيني 
بدون ما اشوف مين اللي عم بحكي معي لانه انا كان وجهي مغطر وهالاستمر يمكن لحوالي ساعتين وبعدين طلعوني على الغرفه لحالي ففي هذا الوقت انا ركعت وصليت وقلت له يا رب انا انا جيت على العراق عشان اخدمك انا جيت على العراق لاني انا بحبك فانت شايف انت شو عم بيصير معي وانت اذا بدك تطلعني من هون انت محتاج تطلعني بعرف مين صدام حسين وبعديها بساعتين انا نزلوني على 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 التحقيق تحت فقعد التحقيق تقريبا تسع ايام كان يضرب فيي كان كان بوكسات وكان رفوف وكان يجلدوا فيي لحديث ما كان الدم عم بنزل من من ظهري حتى ما كنتش عارف انام بالليل بسبب الدم اللي كان عم بنزل من ظهري بعد تسع ايام حطوني بغرفه لحالي واستمرت هاي الغرفه استمرت استمريت بغرفه لوحدي حوالي 35 يوم بغرفه لحالي ما اعطوني كتاب مقدس وكانوا يدخلوني الاكل من خلال غرفه من خلال شباك صغير كانوا يحطوني الاكل ما كنتش اشوف حدا كانت الغرفه مظلمه عظام الجاج فكنت عم بكتب الايات من الكتاب المقدس اللي هي الدراسات اللي انا بعرفها كنت اكتبها على الحيط واقوم كل يوم الصبح اراجع الدراسات واخذ شركتي من 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 الايات اللي انا كتبتها على 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 الحيطان. في يوم من الايام حسيت حالي انه انا الي شهرين ونص وما بعرف شيء عن عن عيلتي. فركعت وصليت قلت له يا رب انا بدي اعرف ايش عن عيلتي اذا اذا انت بتحبني وانا ابنك وانت خايف على اعرف ايش عن عيلتي. في هذاك الوقت كان الرب بيستجيب لي وكان في احد الاشخاص بسمع صوته بقول بقول لي انا جيت جديد هون وانا بعرف ايش اخبار عن مرتك وعن اولادك، مرتك واولادك بخير واهلك موجودين عندهم، اخوك موجود عندهم واهلك موجود عندهم، فكثير كثير حسيت انه قديش الله بحبني وقديش الله مرافقني بستجيب للصلوات وقعدت فوق الحوالي اوقات كثيره وانا بصوم بقلب السجن وانا بنبكع وبصلي ما كانش في حدا فيهم مسيحي وكان يطلب مني اني اكون عم بصلي لهم الهم انه الله يطلعهم من السجن. وصلت لحديد صار في بالسجن حوالي 140 يوم في هذاك اليوم حسيت انه انا محتاج وصلت لمرحله وكاني انا وصلت للحد اللي الله اعطاني اياه اني اكون عم بتحبك فيه بالسجن. وصلت لمرحله اني ركعت وصليت وقلت له يا رب اذا انت بتحبني انا اليوم بدي اطلع من السجن وبدي اكون وبدي بدي اطلع اليوم من السجن وخلص انا بطلت اقدر اتحمل اكثر مني. هيا بعد ساعتين كنت عم بتفاجئ انه بدقوا علي الباب وبيقولوا لي انت محتاج تنزل تحت انا مش عارف ايش كان فيه نزلوني تحت وقفت قدام المحقق وقال لي المحقق انت اجاك عفو من صدام حسين. حسيت قديش الهنا عظيم وقديش الهنا امين، انه برغم كل الفتره الطويله اللي قعدتها برغم كل الالم برغم كل العذاب انه الله له حكمه من كل شيء بيعطينا اياه وكل شيء بيسوي معنا، استجاب الله لصلواتي حتى لو بعد 140 يوم. كان اختبار كبير عظيم لي بالنسبه لي انه الله كان معي بكل خطوه بكل صلاه بكل الم انا تالمت وكان الله معي
That is crazy. You want to talk about having hope in God. 140 days in prison where he had no idea what was happening, didn't know anything about his family, had no clue if he was ever going to get out, when it was going to be. And it's amazing to me that this, this is our brother in Christ, Sammy. And he would just wake up, he would write scriptures on the wall and have his quiet time. And that convicts me, man, do I even have enough scriptures memorized to be able to do that, you know, for 140 days? But hope in God says that no matter the circumstances, I'm not going to lose my faith. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop. Because I know God has a purpose. I know He has a plan. That is what hope can do. It can keep you faithful. Even being in prison, no hope of what's going to happen. Hope is the thing that motivates us to hold on to our faith. But watching that video, I think about what Sammy went through. And as incredible as it is, as challenging as that was, and honestly, most of us will never know what that was like. We may never be able to relate to what he went through. But when we struggle, when we go through challenges in our faith, our relationship with God, we actually have something during those challenges that Sammy did not have. We have something we can hold on to that he wasn't able to have while he was in prison. You guys know what that is? The Bible, well, we have the Bible, but he had at least memorized scriptures. So not the Bible that I'm thinking of. What do you guys think? The body? Yeah, the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. We have each other. He had no one else. There was no one that could talk to him. There was no one that could call him, text him. He couldn't pray with anyone. Mm -hmm. We have each other. The body of Christ, the church, is an essential part of us having hope. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You guys with me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 1 Corinthians 12. So we're just flipping back a few pages. We're going to read verses 21 through 27. All right, chapter 12, verse 21. This is talking about the body of Christ. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. When you become a Christian, you don't set up your own kingdom with just you and God. It's just me and God. We just got this special thing. We got our own little kingdom over here, our own little body. It's just me connected directly to Jesus. He's the head. I'm the whole rest of the body. That's not what happens. When you become a Christian, you join the kingdom of God along with every disciple who is faithful to God in this world. You become one part of the body of Christ. And guess what? It's impossible to be connected to the head if you're not part of the body. 
If one of your fingers gets chopped off in an accident or gets blown off like Jason Pierre-Paul last year who blew half his hand off with fireworks, his fingers are not alive. They're not somewhere on a random street corner where they got blown off having a life of their own. If, you're, if any part of the body gets disconnected from the rest, it's done. It's dead. It's over. We are part of the body of Christ. Every one of us is a part of it. When we struggle, when we go through challenges, and I don't say if, I say when, because it's guaranteed. We have a long life ahead of us. You know, most likely, we have a long life ahead of us before we go to heaven. We're going to have struggles. We're going to have challenges. But when we're going through challenges, when we're going through struggles, if we don't confide in our brothers and sisters, if we don't go to them for help, for advice, to pray for us, to help us through it, what we are saying to the whole rest of the body is, I don't need you. I'm my part of the body. I've got Jesus. I don't need you. That's what we say when we don't go to each other for help, for advice, and for input. God speaks directly against that kind of thinking in this verse. Saying no part of the body can say to any other that I don't need you. There is not one of us that is above the need for these relationships. God designed the church the way it is because he knows we need each other. He knows we can't do it alone. That is why it's a body. And in this body, when one part of us suffers, when one part individually suffers, we all suffer. When one part is honored, we all rejoice together. Because we're a body. We are God's household. We're a family. We love each other. We take care of each other. We rejoice with each other. We go to each other for help. That is the body. This is a key part of us having hope in God. Love always hopes. It always hopes in God and His promises. It also always hopes in this right here, in each other. So what we're going to do real quick for like one minute each, I want to have two people pray about hope. I want to have two people pray for all of us and our relationships with God, that we all have hope in God, that we go to hope, or go to hope, I guess that could work, but we go to God and His promises, but then we also put our hope in in this body of Christ that God has given us. So two people to pray for one minute each about hope. And then we'll move on to the next point. So two quick prayers, whoever wants to do it. All right, George, one, someone else to pray for one minute about hope. Out loud or just silent? Yeah, out loud. All right, George and Peter will start us off. All right, one minute each. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for blessing us, allowing us to come together to study out your word, God. We thank you for just the opportunity to understand that love always hopes, God. We understand how important it is to have hope because honestly, without it, what is the point? Yeah. And we thank you so much for continuing to help us grow, God. But we pray right now that you'll allow us to continue to grow in our hope, God. Mm-hmm. Allow yeah. us to realize that we need to hope for this life because we are young and we're going to expect to be here for a little bit and a yeah. little while longer. Which, in your terms, is going to be like a second, which is a thousand years, a thousand years, which is a second. Yeah. But we just thank you and praise you, God, and we ask that you will each day give us more and more hope that we can go closer to you so that we can make it to you. And yeah. God. 
But we also ask that you allow us to have hope in one another, God. We know that yes. nothing in this earth is coincidental or by chance, God. We know that you put us all together for a reason. Yep. And we thank you and pray you for the opportunity and pray that you allow us all to confide in one another. Allow yes. us to get open and honest. Allow us to truly lean on one another for assistance when we're struggling, when we're not feeling as strong faithfully, God, but even when we're just like feeling like we can help someone else, God. Allow us yeah. to truly use each and every gift that you've placed in us to help one another because we know that this is a life that we can't live on our own, God, and we have to allow mm -hmm. us to do so. Uh, allow us to confide in one another as well as our hope in you. Yeah. And I pass it to Peter. And uh, dear Father God, thank you so much for always giving us hope, God, and you're the hope, God. Mm -hmm. And uh, thanks for uh, always just encouraging us and always uh, just giving us, you know, you know, different kind of uh, different kind of uh, fruits, God. Mm -hmm. And we can feel it. You know, we feel so blessed and feel so uh, grateful and thankful. And uh, you just always, uh, you know, no matter what kind of uh, struggles and challenges we're being through, God, and uh, you will always give us hope, God, because yeah. you know it does matter, and uh, it does matter. And what kind of uh, what kind of struggle we're living through? Because we know you are always there. You always be with us, God. Yeah. And uh, we pray that uh, no matter what kind of uh, what kind of struggles we're living through, God, please always be with us. Please let us accept your love, God. Mm -hmm. And uh, thanks for always be patient and always yes. give us the joy and always give the hope. And uh, in different world, God, we we feel so. We feel so motivated by the the story of Sammy, God. Even yes. the hundred forty days, you know, even we we cannot imagine what happened in his life, God. We mm -hmm. we can feel the hope and through his life, God. Yeah. So mm -hmm. and uh, we want to pray that no matter what kind of uh, circumstances where we we are and uh, what kind of a situation we're being through, God, and always let us feel the hope and from you and yeah. from mm -hmm. Jesus, God. And we pray for you, uh, your praise, your honor, and thanks for always giving the hope, God. And we love you for the Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right, you guys can start turning to James chapter 1. We're going to talk about perseverance. Come on, Will. James chapter 1. So be thinking about this question for a second as you turn. We're just going to talk about this second one. But I think we all have an idea of what perseverance is. So in what circumstances do you have to persevere? And what type of circumstances is it necessary? Yeah. Really challenging situations. Yeah, challenging situations, right? Challenging situations cause us to persevere. What other situation or circumstances necessitates perseverance? School. School. Gotta persevere through school, right? Absolutely. What else causes us to have to persevere? Being a, being a faithful disciple. Being a disciple takes a ton of perseverance. It Perseverance is required as disciples. Okay. What other type of circumstances? Family. Family. Sometimes we got to persevere with our family, right? And keep serving them. Keep loving them. No matter what we feel. No matter what's going on. Absolutely. Look at this verse right here. James 1. We'll read verses 2 through 4. Okay. Verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance is only developed through the testing of your faith. And the only way 
that we can become mature and complete as disciples is by persevering and letting perseverance finish its work. What do you guys think that means? When it says, let perseverance finish its work, or that perseverance must finish its work. What does that mean? For perseverance to finish its work. What do you guys think? I think of trials and tribulations. Okay, so trials and tribulations, and, and through that, how would perseverance finish its work? Make you stronger. Okay, it makes you stronger. I think that's part of the work of perseverance and what it's working towards. It makes you stronger. Totally. What else do you guys think that means? For perseverance to finish its work. I guess they kind of like in the aspect of um, the perseverance being the task and how eventually everything comes to a close in some way, shape, or form. So with our own lives, having perseverance throughout our entire life would be perseverance or just making it through our life would be perseverance. Yeah, just making it through your life, staying faithful to God, I think that's perseverance ultimately finishing its work. It means that you never give up. You don't stop. You keep on moving until perseverance has finished its work, a.k.a. until you die. You keep moving. You keep going forward. You can't say with anything in life that it's finished its work if you quit before it's done. You can't say school finished its work if you dropped out and didn't get a degree. You can't say the season finished its work if you just don't play the second half of the season. You don't participate. You didn't finish the work. You can't say, I finished my work at my job when you left three hours early and clocked out before your shift was over. Anytime something finishes its work, it means you, you go all the way to the end, all the way to the finish line. And as disciples, that means for the rest of our lives, to the day we die, right? Jesus said, when you build the tower, you got to estimate the cost to see if you can complete it. Because if we start building and we, we don't finish, then all that's left is a heap of rubble. We have to let perseverance finish its work. Here's another example of what we're talking about, of what perseverance can do. That was the 600. Okay. That race was, was the 600. 600. That was the 600. And she, sorry. But yeah. the, I know. For the track athletes, they have like probably the best perspective on how crazy that is. But is that not a metaphor 
for the life of a disciple. That is the life of a disciple. Because we are going to fall. We're going to stumble. We're going to have bad days. We're going to have times where we feel like we're in first place. And then we fall out of nowhere and we're blindsided by it. (laughs) But the life of a disciple is not necessarily running a perfect, flawless race. But it's when you trip, you get up and you keep running. When you fall flat on your face in front of a crowd of thousands, this is the Big Ten. That was, that was, she ran for Minnesota. This is a big deal, Division I. Wow. Being a disciple means when you fall, even if you are humiliated, even if other people see you fall, you get up, you keep running, you don't stop, and you push yourself as hard as you can until it's over. The truth that we have to persevere should be no mystery to us. Look at Acts chapter 14. This is an amazing scripture. Acts 14, we're just going to read this in one more verse and we'll start to close out. Acts chapter 14. All right, chapter 14, verse 21. This is talking about Paul and Barnabas. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. You know what's crazy to me about this scripture? Paul and Barnabas, it just talks about them going to three different cities, strengthening and encouraging the disciples to remain true to the faith. And we can pretty much guarantee that they probably preached dozens of sermons and messages, probably had countless conversations with the disciples, encouraging them, strengthening them. They were just working the fellowship right here, like bouncing around, doing like an East Coast tour of all the churches. But in all of their conversations, and all of the messages they preached, and all the time they spent with the disciples, we have one phrase, one sentence to summarize what they told everyone that they saw. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Guys, it's going to take perseverance. It's going to take fighting. It's going to take falling and then getting back up. It's going to take going through challenging days, weeks, months, even challenging years. But moving forward, not quitting, not walking away from God and from his body. Being a disciple does not mean life won't be hard, but it means life will be meaningful. Being a disciple does not give you a perfect life, but it gives you eternal life. And being a disciple does not mean you will have no hard days, but it does mean that you will have no regrets. When we struggle, when we go through challenging times or confusing times, persevere, fight, keep moving forward. Let perseverance finish its work so you can be mature and complete. We're going to close with one last scripture here, and then I want to have two more people pray after we read this. 
And I want your prayer to be based on this last verse we're going to read. So I put it on the screen for you guys. We can look at this together. 1 Thessalonians 4, <coughs> verses 13 to 18. I'm just going to use the restroom. Sure. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Mm-hmm. We're actually called by God to encourage each other about heaven. To encourage each other to not give up. To encourage each other to always remember that, look, there are thousands upon thousands of disciples who have gone before us, who have died. And they're ready. They're ready for Jesus to come back. And whether it happens in our lifetime or after we die, when he comes back, every struggle that you went through, every time that you doubted but you kept fighting, every time you were confused but you went back to the word of God to set things straight, to answer your questions, every time that you saw the world and wondered, did I really make the right decision to leave that place? Every time you see your friends who aren't living as disciples and you wonder, why am I doing this? When this day comes, it is all going to be worth it. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Let's get two disciples to pray, encouraging all of us with these words. And then we'll close out with that. So two disciples who can pray for us to close out. And we'll wrap up with that. It'd be awesome if at least one is a sister, so we can get some variety. We're praying about perseverance and encouraging each other. It's not a performance. It's just a one-minute prayer to God. You can pretend like it's just you and God if you want to. All right, Angelica, we need one more person to pray for just a minute as we close out. We got time. <laughs> All right, Angelica, and then Larry is going to close yeah, this out. Larry. All right. Um, Father God, I'm so happy that we were able to meet here tonight and to really have this really great lesson about having hope and also persevering in our faith and um, in you ultimately. Mm-hmm. Father God, I just really um, hope that we can make sure to continue to encourage each other and to remind each other that this fight is so that we can all meet each other and meet you in heaven. Yeah. Um, that it's for more than just 
while we're here. Um, it's it's for a reason, and it's a, it's an amazing reason. And I'm honestly so excited for that moment, and I really hope mm -hmm. that this is like huge encouragement for everyone in this room yeah. to really really like work hard and fight because I know, especially being college students and having you know lots of work and lots of stress and just feeling like there's a lot going on at one time and yeah. seeing everything around you not being the same. Um, and sometimes it can be kind of confusing, but I really pray that everyone here is encouraged and reminded as to why they're fighting and yeah. the reason they made the decision to become a disciple or study the Bible or any of the decisions above or even just coming here tonight um, yeah. just shows that, that they're trying and I think that that is amazing as well. Um, I pray that throughout the rest of our lives, we can really fight really, really hard to continue in our faith strong and firm and to, as we talked about earlier, to have each other there as well um, because we are important for each other, if yeah. that makes any sense. Um, again, thank you so much for allowing us to have this lesson and for Will to really remind us and encourage us with these words and these scriptures. Um, I pray that we can continue to keep doing this so that none of us uh, ever feel like, you know, we can't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, I love you in Jesus' name, I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, first and foremost, Lord, thank you, Lord, for another day on this earth, Lord. Yep. Lord, thank you for bringing us together, Lord, because you've told us that you want us to fight together. Lord. You want us to finish that race, Lord, together, Lord, to pick up those people that, that are down right now, Lord. And I just yep. pray that we can put our pride to the side, Lord, and yeah. we can persevere, Lord, and we can just reach out to one another, Lord. Let let us be honest and open with one another, Lord. And yep. just, just tell us, tell each other when we're feeling down, Lord. Yep. That's, that's when the devil can get us, Lord. Yes. When, we, when we try to go and be our, be alone, Lord. Mm -hmm. just, Lord, I just pray that we just stay together, Lord. That we just yeah. fight. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Amen. Amen.